Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day uh, wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all of the usual caveats, of course. A uh, quick shout out to Kel, who has already joined us in the uh, chat room. Uh, welcome uh, to the show today, ma'am. And uh, for those of you who will be joining us later or who's listening but checking us out in archives or what have you, Kel's kind enough to be joining us uh, close to the top of the second hour of the show. 
and uh, we'll be discussing at length and perhaps even at nauseum a certain Al-Qaeda operative who was just fortunate enough to be born in Canada before deciding to choose the path of jihad. Uh, yeah, well, that part's not the bad part. The bad part, of course, is the fact that this gentleman decided that he was going to go uh, become an enemy combatant, engaged against the United States, killed an American, blinded another, and is now managing to get a huge payout from the Canadian government along with an official apology and now even one step further some protection from the civil courts in Canada to try and help protect the payout he's receiving from those who are attempting to sue them from the United States for the wrongful death of their family member. Very interesting scenario. But like I pointed out at the end of uh, Wednesday night's show, there is a large group of Canadians now. It started out relatively small. It's getting larger and larger. Individual Canadians who have taken it upon themselves to raise money to try and help out the families of the victims. So where the government fails, the Canadian people are stepping up and making a difference. And that proves, first of all, our neighbors to the north are, in fact, our friends to the north. And it also proves the fact that... Uh, you know, we can't judge the people of a nation based on its government. It is a concept I've discussed multiple occasions. Uh, we talk a lot about it when it comes to countries like North Korea and Iran in particular, where the Iranian people actually are kind of, for the most part, pro-American, would love to see a return to friendly uh, relations with the United States. But uh, you know, unfortunately, the... Uh, Theocracy will not permit that. All right, anyway, let's get on into today's show. I don't know if you noticed, there is an overwhelming theme for today's broadcast. And, of course, the question uh, that we'll be addressing for the majority of the show is, is progressivism a mental disorder, or do progressives just uh, – do they just kind of encourage mental disorders? You know, I've often heard that liberalism is a mental disorder. I penned a title of a Dr. Michael Savage book. Uh, it's one of the uh, tenets. A lot of people have kind of taken that as a battle cry. Uh, liberalism is a mental disorder. But it's not liberalism that's the issue. It's progressivism. Again, you know, we've kind of talked about this on uh, occasions before, especially with Kel. Kel was on the show. Kel uh, identifies herself as a classic liberal. And uh, there's a reason why we have to be careful about word usage and grouping people into groups that they don't really belong, because a classic liberal is an enemy of the progressives of today's state. A classic liberal will literally put their life on the line to defend someone else's right to free speech, even if they disagree with what's being said. Now, most classic liberals probably – might not be willing to go all the way to the point of laying down their life to protect that freedom of speech, but most of them feel pretty passionate about it, and it's a good thing. Classic liberals, they're not what the progressives are, and yet they've stolen the idea. They've stolen the word, and, and that's the way progressives have operated from the beginning. They can never win in the arena of ideas. They can't. They have to deal with emotion, 
and they have to control the language because they have to manipulate how you think about what they're saying. They have to literally change the meaning of words in order to try and control what you think about what they're saying. These, we have a group of people that are literally victims of the public school system because they're no longer being taught how to think, especially critical thinking. And that's the biggest thing that education is failing for the people in all Western civilization, period. The lack of critical thinking then allows emotion to win the day. Facts become irrelevant. The notion that there are black and white and hard and fast rules, the, the idea that these things could mean something, it just skirts right past people because they're taught that everything is a shade of gray. And that it's okay to be involved with 50 Shades of Grey, if you'll forgive the pun. Quick shout out to Mary, who's joined us. Hey, Mary. Glad to have you. So that's, we're going to look at several stories this week, or at least I'm going to try to get as many of these stories as possible. That all kind of hit, uh, once again, we're looking back at uh, almost an entire show dedicated to the culture wars. I mean, in a very strong sense, even when Kel joins us at the top of the second hour and we start talking about why the Canadian government would be doing the things they're doing in regards to this known terrorist, non-apologetic terrorist, an enemy combatant of the United States, someone who probably is more inclined now that he's receiving cash and protection from the civil court system and an official apology to uh, perform acts of terrorism again. I mean, even that comes back to the culture war. So let's let's jump right in uh, with probably one of the things that uh, also qualifies for this week's outrage of the week. Although uh, the Canadian civil court trying to protect uh, Khalid uh, was pretty close second on this one, but it was kind of expected. Seems that Nancy Pelosi has tried really hard this past week to continue to get her name. Back in the headlines, and I think this has a lot to do with the fact that several Democrats have started calling for her to end her leadership of the party. They want her gone. She's no longer a minority leader in the minds of several, so she's been pushing really, really hard this past week to try and make it look as if, oh, no, I am that grand legislature. I am that superior individual. I am your leader. Watch me go. But the thing that really stood out. Uh, I mean, she was very vocal about how the House Republicans are trying to help protect Donald Trump from this Russian collusion investigation, which I'm going to really try not to mention too much today just because there is still so much crazy going on with that. I think some of them dust needs to settle before we can really get a good grip on it. You know, We've talked about it a little bit previously, and I would love to talk about it some more, but I think we really need to let the dust settle. And that's because it seems like since Friday, every day something new has been released, and it's being released either just before the media does or right after the media does, and there's some kind of an explanation to go along with. And there just gets to a point where it really does start to look like the Trump administration is trying to hide something. Now, again, and like I mentioned Wednesday night, I don't really think they did anything particularly wrong, and it's certainly nothing that reached the level of criminal. There is no crime here, still no crime. 
But for crying out loud, this started out as a small meeting with just a few people, and now more people are there, and more people are there, and all these new people seem to have some kind of tie to Russia, whether they actually have worked for the government or not. They are Russian, or they ate a Russian salad one day, or you know, I don't know, or I mean, a salad with Russian dressing, or what have you. I don't. There's still too much crazy going on around it. But for crying out loud, uh, Donald Jr. Please just go ahead and get everything there is to know out in the open so we can move on and get past this because this is ridiculous. Even the Democrats were just about to give up on this, and then this new revelation comes out. And, of course, there's all kinds of theories, and uh, the lawyer has a lot of stronger ties to the Democrats. And I think so now there are these conspiracy theories that the Russians were trying to set them up from the beginning and you know it's entirely possible maybe they were maybe as soon as they thought that realized that he was going to run that they decided to try and do little things here and there so that they could manipulate him later I, but uh, there's still nothing that even indicates collusion which again is not a legal term collusion is not something you can be charged with and i honestly don't think russia was capable of interfering very greatly with the uh, results of our election one way or the other. Now, maybe that's my tremendous naivete. Maybe I just don't understand how deep-seated this effort was. Maybe I don't understand how dastardly evil the Trump empire and the entire family is, but I don't see it. So please, just stop with this silly game where, okay, we're going to admit what we have to and nothing more. Let's stop that. Let's get back to the principles that the country was built on, and that is we want to avoid the appearance of impropriety. If you'd just gotten out ahead of this thing in the first place, it would have been nothing. But now you even have Republicans that are afraid to support you, and you even have some of your base starting to question whether or not there's something there. Granted, uh, the hardcore base still isn't budging much, but I really think you could probably – uh, blow up uh, the Empire State Building and uh, go on television saying, ha, 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 I just blew up the Empire State Building. Ha, 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 people were in there. Ha, 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 I'm Donald Trump. Go me. And the hardcore base would still be like, yeah, that Empire State Building needed to come down. Woo. <sighs> but there are people that are middle of the road that are starting to waver, that have been supportive. So just get that out, please. Just get that information out and be done with it. And that's really all I want to say, at least for now, in regards to the wonderful world of the Trump-Russia collusion bit. It's insane. But now back to the story I was trying to tell you. So Nancy Pelosi... Uh, once again, is jumping on the culture war bid. She said her thing. They're going to force votes. Uh, the Democrats are doing a, a concerted effort to force votes so that the Republicans in the House can't help Trump to hide that crap. Okay, fine. Now, that's not the story that pissed me off the most. That's just kind of par for the course. Here's the part that upset me. This is the part that probably wins Nancy Pelosi, uh, who is, I think at the moment, at a tie with uh, – with uh, Harry Reid for the most of <laughs> for the most times that she's managed to get her name associated with the outrage of the week. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought for a minute. This particular case, uh, and this happened on Thursday, the House Minority Leader, Miss Nancy Pelosi, once again, she was ripping on the GOP, this time for cutting funds to the Department of Defense section devoted to servicemen or women who want their transition costs of trading genders covered by the government. Right, let that sink in for a minute. Bottom line is she's mad at the Republicans for slashing defense spending that was earmarked for the military to pay for gender mutilation surgery. I'm sorry. I mean uh, gender reassignment surgery. Uh, here's the statement <clears throat> from Ms. Pelosi. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. And I quote, Republicans should be ashamed. Instead of protecting the men and women who risk their lives to defend our freedoms, they're fighting to rip away the health care of thousands of brave service members. Say what? Sorry, i got to stop there. I'll come back to the statement in a minute. But right off the top, this level of spin certainly indicates that Miss Nancy Mimi Pelosi – is either so very out of touch with the reality in which the rest of us are living in that she should probably be in a mental home. Once again, raising the question of is progressivism a mental disorder? Or she's well aware of the lies and she's still trying to prey upon the soft-minded people who are silly enough to want to take her at her word, preying upon the weak-minded, the individuals who can be twisted and manipulated, the individuals who do not utilize critical thinking. The Republicans should be ashamed instead of protecting men and women who risk their lives to defend our freedoms. I'm sorry. Protecting them would be getting them better equipment and better armor and better everything that uh, George W. Bush was fighting to try and get for our men and women when we were involved in Iraq hot and heavy. And I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure that was the Democrats that kept standing in the way of making that happen. And weren't you one of the leaders then as well, Miss Pelosi? Shouldn't you be ashamed of that? Oh, but there's more. Health care? Health care of thousands of brave service members? They weren't affecting the health care cash, Miss Pelosi. We were discussing sexual gender mutilation surgery. I'm sorry. I mean gender reassignment surgery. That should not be paid for with taxpayer dollars, period. The United States government, whether they are doing it through any of its agencies, should not be paying for something like gender reassignment surgery. 
If you want to mutilate your body on your time and on your dime, then that is your business. But if you want to do it with taxpayer dollars, it becomes everyone's business. And the answer, just like Planned Parenthood and their abortion mills, when it comes to everybody's business, when it comes to everybody's tax dollars, the answer should be simple, sweet, and with no need for explanation. The answer is no. Next issue. But let me go a little further. Because that was not the end of her statement. All right, so she says, in fighting to rip away the health care of thousands of brave service members, uh, she continues, this cowardly Republican amendment targeting transgender men and women in uniform effectively bans these patriotic Americans from serving their country. This disgusting amendment is unprecedented, unacceptable, and undermines our national security. I gotta stop again. I gotta stop again. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't read this entire statement without commenting. I can't. I get too angry with this one. <sighs> cowardly Republicans. I'm sorry. It's because the Republicans have been so cowardly that you're standing up in front of a microphone making this statement. If the Republicans have had backbone in the past long enough to keep this kind of BS out of these bills in the first place, out of our funding uh, appropriations, then this would have never been an issue, period. And how exactly is it that these people who feel gender dysphoria and who request military assistance and paying for the surgeries to mutilate their bodies, how is that preventing them from serving? It's not. They can continue to serve in the same capacity in which they are serving at the time that they asked for it, because I'm pretty sure that whatever they're doing is not going to be so specific as this gender desire is going to change anything, whereas actually having the surgery might. So how, how, Nancy Pelosi, how does this stop the Americans, these patriotic Americans from serving their country? It does not. Nothing has changed. That's just it. We're not allowing anything to change. This is not something that should be paid for with taxpayer dollars. Now, this disgusting amendment, this unprecedented, well, of course it's unprecedented because we've never gotten to the point where this was seriously considered a possibility. Nowhere in the history of this nation have we been so far down the rabbit hole of ignoring personal responsibility that we have ever gotten close to saying, well, we should just – Pay for that because they want to. No. And unacceptable? Unacceptable, Nancy Pelosi? It's unacceptable that you're standing in front of cameras and a microphone saying this kind of BS to the American people. It's unacceptable that the people of your district in California are so soft-minded that they keep sending you back to hold the office that you hold. Undermines our national security? No, Nancy Pelosi. The fact that you want to spend money, taxpayer money, on this kind of behavior is what can possibly undermine national security. Telling them that, no, we're not going to pay for that, not saying you can't go do it. Just saying that you can't go do it on the government dime, and you'll have to work around our schedule, not yours, which is the way most military have to operate. That doesn't undermine national security. You, Nancy Pelosi, you are undermining national security. 
little bit late. There's more. She continued, the integration of openly transgender service members into our armed forces is the unfinished work of bipartisan efforts to repeal the discriminatory don't ask, don't tell policy thrown into the dustbin of history by the Democratic Congress of 2010. We only strengthen our military by honoring our values of freedom and equality. I call upon the Republican colleagues to immediately withdraw this cruel, discriminatory, and appalling amendment. The integration of openly transgendered service members into our armed forces is the unfinished work of bipartisan efforts. All right. There may be bipartisanship on this, but there are some folks wearing an R at the end of their name that we all know darn well are way more Democrat than Republican. We know that there are progressives in both parties. In fact, a good part of both parties are now progressive because they believe bigger government and less constitutional restraints is the answer to everything. So there's no question that there may be two, three, maybe even as many as 24 people with an R at the end of their name, technically, who are rhinos, Republican in name only, that are stepping up and bipartisanly supporting an effort like this. And correct me if I'm wrong, Ms. Pelosi, but wasn't Don't Ask and Don't Tell, wasn't that Bill Clinton? Wasn't that the compromise Bill Clinton threw out there? Are you not basically calling out your own party? But you notice how they shifted this. You know, she mentions the policy, and she's assuming that enough time has passed that most people, particularly most people that support her and the Democratic Party, are not going to even remember that that was a Democratic policy. I get a little angry with this, and I have to be careful not to go too far down the rabbit hole, or I'll never get to the end of what we need to do. But Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, I'm sorry, but you are completely out of touch on this. The people that you are looking to call down people that you are looking to try to shame, these are the people that are serving the will of the American people. And in this particular instance, it is more important that we are concerned about providing an effective and efficient fighting force for our military, not, not a touchy-feeling kumbaya summer camp. We don't need people that are going to walk in and hold hands while someone else is handing you a hand grenade. We don't need people that are going to step back and say, oh, now, Ahmed, you really don't want to do that. Now, little Jimmy over here is an innocent child, and he's never done anything to you. You don't really want to hurt him, do you, the whole time? Ahmed is shooting something at little Jimmy. 
the greatest mystery in my life of trying to figure out is why some of these progressives who are so mush-minded want to continue to protect and defend the mindset of jihadists when the jihadists would actually respect someone like Kel and someone like myself, someone like Annie and Don and Professor and uh, yeah, a bunch of folks out there. They would respect us. They'll still want to kill us, but they'll respect us far more because we stand for our principles and we say what we mean and we're smart enough to recognize the issue. We're smart enough to see them as the enemy they are. And we are smart enough not to blame ourselves for their hatred of us. So Mimi Nancy Pelosi, either you are indeed suffering from a mental disorder or you're trying to encourage more mental disorders. And in either case, it's unacceptable. So should the GOP be ashamed of themselves for this? No. In fact, they should do more of it. In fact, right now, with all the distraction about this Russian stuff, why in the name of all that's holy in heaven are the Republicans in the House and the Senate not pushing their agendas hard and heavy? Why the media is distracted, why the Democrats are distracted, because one of two things will happen. Either you go ahead and start passing legislation and moving it on towards President Trump's desk, which he will sign. I think he would sign just about anything involving health care right now, and I'm pretty sure he'd sign just about anything involving a budget right now just so he could say, look what we got done. But what we should do <laughs> – all right, I, <laughs> Kel's correcting my grammar. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, Kel. I was obviously in a bit of a hurry trying to put that together. I had not had much time, but I will make the necessary corrections later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Though. Uh, where was that? I was about to get my righteous indignation going again. Okay. Uh, I don't even know where I was at now. Uh, Mimi Pelosi. She's uh, quite the character. Oh, so <sighs> can <you hear> me? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to move uh, on from the story, but uh, – is it the Republican Party that should be ashamed for actually standing up? No. They've got a backbone, and they should be. Yeah, that's where I was at. We should be pushing everything we can right now because one or two things will happen. Either they will continue to focus on the Russian collusion deal, and this stuff will pass by because they won't be organized enough to stop it, or they'll have to stop focusing on the Canadian uh, – Canadian. now I've got Canada in on my mind now. Thanks, Kyle. The Russian collusion deal, they'd have to drop it to go back and start going to work, trying to stop those mean old Republicans from doing stuff like that. Because they can't do both. They can't. They're spending so much time, so much energy, so much effort, they can't possibly do both. It's not It's not possible. It's just not. They would have to divide up their energy, the media in particular. The mainstream media would have to – divide up enough of their uh, energy that eventually it all <laughs> it all would just have to go one way or the other. They would not be able to continue both. So, you know, how much stuff could we actually uh, get done? How much stuff could the Republicans actually move through both houses if they just did it. 
Let's force them to do it. Make them either continue to focus on the Russian collusion or continue to focus on stopping the Republican agenda, or in this case, the Trump agenda, which, at least for the moment, is the same thing. Although, you know, there's a lot to be said. Sorry, I've, I've gotten sidetracked here. I'm actually trying to correct uh, – there we are. All right, now I, I have fixed it, Cal. Uh, <laughs> And now I've really got to get to the got to get back on the track now. So yeah, anyway, uh, we should be pushing all this stuff, and we should be doing. But uh, should the Republicans be uh, ashamed? No, Nancy Pelosi, you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed of preying on the American public. You should be ashamed of using the military as a photo op. You should be ashamed of being as completely ineffective and out of touch as you are and still stand up in front of these cameras and pretend like you are good at your job. If I was as good at my job as you are at yours, I would have been fired a long time ago. And again, I can't help but call out the... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Fine folks of San Francisco, those of you who keep sending this woman back to the House of Representatives to be the voice for you, exactly is wrong with you that this woman represents you. Ordinarily, I don't call out groups of folks like this, but I've got to because you keep doing it. I know the people in Las Vegas, I gave them a hard time over uh, Harry Reid. I gave them a hard time for a long time because I also know for a fact that there are folks in Vegas that are as conservative as they come, but they will still stand up and defend Harry Reid because of something he did 30 years ago. Well, he used to be a strong supporter for the area. Yeah, well, used to be, ain't. It's like John McCain. John McCain he was a warrior, and he was a prisoner of war, and he served his country, and he faced unspeakable things. And I will hail any person who picks up a weapon and goes into battle and comes out of something like that as being a hero. 
but that doesn't change how far off the reservation he is now and how undeserving of an R at the end of his name that he is. I would go so far as to say that some of the things that he has said and done in the past five to well, five to eight years is seditious at best. So let's not lose sight of what these people are doing and saying now. And this this is ridiculous, but we, I've got to move forward. All right. Um, Let's hit some other of the culture war stories. You know, this week has been a wild week for culture uh, war stories. And in this particular case, an entire police department faces special training after a cop misgenders a trans person. Yeah, that's right. The entire Fort Lauderdale Police Department may have to undergo special training after a police officer used the wrong pronouns with a transgendered citizen. The city's Citizen Police Review Board made the suggestion Monday of this past week after Officer James Brighton referred to Shelby Kendall, a transgender woman, as a male during a January traffic stop. This according to the Sun Sentinel. Quote, I think it's fair. It's a matter of training and the officers need training uh, this from mark dickerson a board member the review board also suggested that breton gets a written reprimand for the incident why because Britain pulled over kendall a man who identifies as a woman for reckless driving back on january 28th now because kendall was drag racing a black Corvette, not a Corvette, a Chevrolet Camaro, I'm sorry, who's drag racing a Camaro against another car on a public road. Brenton gave Kendall a reckless driving ticket, but referred to Kendall as a male, even though his driver's license listed Kendall's gender as female. All right, so obviously in the state of Florida, they're allowing people to lie about who they are on the driver's license because he's obviously a male. But because he identifies as a woman, they're going to let him change that on their driver's license. And the officer wrote down the truth on the ticket. You're a dude, dude. Anyway, Kendall filed a complaint against Breton saying that he refused to change the gender on the ticket despite being asked to. Oh, will you please change the gender? Mm. Quote, I've done everything I need to do for the state of Florida to recognize me as a female. He doesn't have the right to proposedly misgender me. Proposedly. I'm sorry, I think he actually he didn't misgender you. He gendered you correctly. You're the one misgendering you. Anyway, now officers might have to watch a 13-minute long video released by the Department of Justice under the Obama administration, I'm sure, that gives special tips on how police officers should interact with transgender people. The police department would have to agree to the training before it would be implemented. Okay, so it's a 13-minute video. If this gets people off your back and you're going to be able to avoid written reprimands, uh, spend 13 minutes and watch the video. If for no other reason, so you guys have something else to joke about later. Do that much. But the fact that there's 
a recommendation? A recommendation for a written reprimand because he correctly gendered you? And everyone's writing this up like he misgendered you? Now, of course, Kendall applauded the decision of the board, saying that the city was taking the right steps to rectify the matter. No, the city is afraid that the local court system is packed jam full with activist judges that will award you a huge cash sum of money that the city will have to come up with. That's what the city is doing. They're covering their own backside. Kendall said, quote, I just think the city's showing they're willing to help others and make everyone feel welcome. No, Kendall. Like I just said, the, the city is covering its own backside, and they're hoping you're not going to sue. As short as a decade ago, they wouldn't have worried about this. You would not have gotten an apology, and no one would have missed the point that you are freaking drag racing – and that's why you got the ticket. The fact that the state of Florida has been so stupid as to allow you to lie about your identity on your driver's license is beyond me. But if they would realize that this is going to cause problems, because let's pretend for just a second that you're actually a hardcore criminal. Obviously, Kendall's not. Okay, Kendall's very sensitive about how you recognize he, she sensitive about the fact that he is all transgender woman and wants you to recognize that fact and wants the officer to recognize that and the cop is the one in trouble here this guy was drag racing endangering people's lives on public streets And the concern here is that the officer actually correctly gendered the gender dysphoric individual. How far have we fallen, ladies and gentlemen? How far have we fallen? But wait, there are more wonderful, wonderful stories of... The culture war for today. In fact, a, a good chunk of just about everything I'm talking about today fits into the culture war. Uh, a similar story. I'll go ahead and touch on it real quick. Uh, I'm probably going to hold off on a Charlie Guard update, although there is one. Uh, most of you guys probably know it. Uh, at this point, it looks like uh, the judges have said that uh, – they're going to let a specialist come take a look at Charlie, and then they're going to let the specialist testify before they make a final decision. I mean that is – in a nutshell, I could get going again about government not having the authority to do all this crap, but uh, I've covered it fairly well. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely come back to it after the medical specialist in fact does testify, and then we'll touch back on the Charlie Guard story. But at least for the time being, Charlie has not been unplugged. Charlie is still alive, and Charlie is being examined by a doctor who might have a better idea than the fine folks at the pediatric hospital that Charlie's currently held at. And I say held intentionally. He is being held against the will of his parents. He might as well be incarcerated. 
anyway, uh, another quick uh, culture war story. Four permanent rainbow crosswalks in the city's gay neighborhood cost taxpayers nearly two hundred thousand uh, dollars. Is the headline? And uh, you know, again, when I see taxpayer dollars being used for stuff like this, it tends to make me a bit miffed. Uh, four crosswalks at an intersection in a predominantly gay Atlanta, Georgia neighborhood were just adorned with permanent rainbow colors. They were not painted, but this was done via a thermoplastic tile, uh, which cost the taxpayers right about $196,000, pretty close to $200,000. The tiles are supposed to last 10 years before they need maintenance, and the price tag is – and you can tell they're making excuses when they start talking about this, how much of an impact on the budget it is. But the price tag is 0.03 of 1% of the city's transportation budget. Now, I'm sorry. I don't care if it's 0.0003 of 1%. This is not something that taxpayer dollars should be going to pay because your transportation budget, if your cities, like most cities, is a combination of local taxes, state-gathered taxes, and some federal taxes. And as soon as somebody from outside of As soon as somebody from outside of your city has got taxpayer dollars being used to spend money on something like this, again, the answer is no. You don't do this. This is a case where if the city wanted to do it, I don't have a problem. If the citizens of that community want to do it, if there's an overwhelming majority of the folks that want to do it, fine. But they need to pay for it solely and strictly on their own. The city should okay it. They can even oversee it, but the dollars have to come from somewhere other than the tax base. I mean, it's that simple. This is not a big deal. This is not even something we should be talking about, except for the fact that they use taxpayer dollars to do this. What in the name of all that's holy in heaven is going on that we have so many people that have lost track of the simple fact that taxpayer dollars are meant to be spent on taxpayer-related things? The greater good. This is not... The greater good. Now, this is something that maybe you think it looks nice. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But maybe you think it looks nice. Maybe it does look nice. Maybe you think that better represents your neighborhood. And if everybody in the neighborhood is okay with that, fine. I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem with that. Everyone else should be okay with that, I would think, I would hope. But not everybody in the state is going to be okay with that, and certainly not everyone across the country is going to be okay with that. So as soon as you use dollars from somewhere outside of your your local community, and even if you are just using local community dollars, if you don't have a large consensus, then you should not be doing it. You just shouldn't. Now, again, my problem isn't with doing it. My problem is in using taxpayer dollars to pay for it, period. Now, maybe I'm being 
insensitive. Maybe I'm just wrong. Uh, I, I don't understand. I would love to think that uh, that, the, that this is being taken care of in a reasonable fashion, and they're simply using smart uh, funds, and that it's been raised locally. And uh, you know, they passed an ordinance that's only within that block, <laughs> and those are the folks that paid for that tax, and and you know, it was exclusively coming from the folks that want it. But uh, that's not what's happening here. And you know they're, like I said, you know they're just making excuses the minute they start talking about, well, how small of a percentage of the overall budget that we're talking about. Yeah, but where does this budget come from? Is this strictly being paid for by folks in that community? No. Is this strictly being paid for by folks in the city of Atlanta? No. Are the people of Georgia okay with having any of their taxpayer dollars go to pay for something like that? Some are. Some aren't. And as long as some aren't, it doesn't matter what you think about it. It should be no. It just should be no. All right. Another quick story that i got to get to before the uh, bottom of the hour. And then there is at least one story other than the conversation with Kel that we'll be having that I'd like to get to. But this one, you know, uh, obviously I'm not going to have time to get to the Teen Vogue issue, so I'm going to mention it briefly. I was outraged, as I'm sure most of you were, to hear that a Teen Vogue actually gave a how-to manual for anal sex. Remember, we're talking about Teen Vogue. Their core constituents, the target audience of Teen Vogue are young girls from 11 to 18. Quite honestly, they actually target from 11 to 16. 11 to 16, that's the the average target audience. And in the most recent issue, they gave a how-to manual. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. For anal sex. You know, I never thought I'd be telling a story like this. Never thought that we would be discussing how far down this path that the left has gotten. I would have thought for sure that this would be the kind of topic that, you know, it would happen and enough outrage would happen that it would squash it. But unfortunately, there hasn't been as much 
outrage and pushback for this is I would like – there are some folks out there trying to organize uh, – <laughs> I don't – there were pictures uh, – I'm responding to Mary in the chat room. Uh, there weren't actual illustrations, but there were pictures of, again, uh, the anatomy. And what was kind of uh, fun about the anatomy is in accordance with uh, Team Vogue, uh, you have uh, – <laughs> I'm trying to think of exactly how they worded it now. Uh, they uh, worded it as prostate owners and non-prostate owners. So they were providing uh, this annual stimulation uh, how-to guide, uh, very instructional, uh, a lot of uh, instructions. They showed the anatomy, and uh, they even broke it down to how – it works for men and how it works for women. Only, again, we're talking about 11 to 16-year-olds. Now, naturally, unfortunately, in our culture, there are a lot of 15 and 16-year-olds that are doing ungodly, unmentionable things of their own accord. But uh, this is just outrageous that this happened. And like I said, there should be more pushback than there is. But that is a story that I'm barely going to touch on. Because there is another one I think is even more important that also uh, happened, and I'm sure some of you may have heard about this. Some of you hadn't, but this ridiculous feminist has been doing a blog for a while, and she started picking on her sons in this blog a while back. But now she's called her sons – she's got two of them – perspective rapist. I mean at this point, I, I can't help but scream, and I know I'm not the first person to say this, but it's got to be done. Somebody please call Child Protective Services. For the love of Pete, somebody call Child Protective Services. Feminist writer Jody Allard has this habit of shaming her two sons, one of whom she says is suicidal for simply disagreeing with her, or worse, for simply being male. Last week, writing in Role Reboot, that's the blog she does, the mother of two yet again relentlessly shamed her sons for their biology, and then topped herself by explaining that uh, they are, like every other man, <clears throat> not safe. And by not safe, she means prospective rapist. Allard's first assert, asserts, <clears throat> excuse me, Allard first asserts that while her sons are quote good boys, they aren't safe boys. Before bragging about a semi-viral essay that she wrote for the Washington Post in which she shamed her sons for their role in feminist-constructed rape culture for merely having penises. Okay, So her sons are part of the rape culture because they're dudes. And she said, quote, my essay went semi-viral, and for the first time, my sons encountered my words about them on their friends' phones, their teachers' computers, and even overheard them discussed by strangers on a crowd, crowded metro bus. It was one thing to agree to be written about in relative obscurity, and quite another thing to have my words intrude on their daily lives. Now, okay, I'm wondering if they actually agreed to letting her write about them. I mean, you can write about someone without calling them out by name. You don't have to give specifics, and you don't even in this case have to say, my sons. Uh, I suppose that gives a certain genuineness to it. 
But um, so she's concerned that uh, this has affected him directly. But then, unsurprisingly, her teenage boys, whom she publicly shamed for no other reason than their anatomy, uh, according to her, they now resent her. One of her sons is even turning into a conservative, or at least turning to conservatism, uh, the way it was written. Uh, anyway, let me just read you part of what she posted. One of my sons was hurt by my words, although he's never told me so. He doesn't understand why I lumped him in. Uh, I'm sorry, lumped him and his brother together in my essay. You see, he sees himself as the good one, the one who is sensitive and thoughtful and who listens instead of reacts. He doesn't understand that even quiet misogyny is still misogyny and that not all sexists sound like Twitter trolls. He's angry at me now although he won't admit that either. And his anger led him to conservative websites and YouTube channels, places where he can surround himself with righteous indignation against feminists and tell himself it's ungrateful women like me who are the problem. I got to tell you something, lady. You are the problem in this scenario. For crying out loud, you're attacking your kids. <clears throat> Quote, it is my job as a mother, not sure she knows what being a mother really means if she's engaging in this kind of activity, but uh, anyway, back to her quote. Uh, it's my job as a mother to ensure he feels safe emotionally, no matter what violence he spews. Is it my job as his mother to steer and educate? no matter how much that education challenges his view of himself? <sighs> when I hear his voice become defensive, I back off, but question whether I'm doing him any favors by allowing his perception of himself to go unchallenged. When I confront him with his own sexism, I question whether I'm pushing too hard and leaving him without an emotional safe space in his home. All right, Miss Allard, um, there is no emotional safe space in his home because you are the issue. These boys are going to be boys, and it is your role as a mother to educate these children properly. And by properly, I mean it is your role, madam, to make it quite clear that raping someone is not exceptional behavior. It is not acceptable. It should not be allowed. It should not be tolerated. Rape is one of the worst crimes that can be committed to a person, period. It does not take a man to not understand this. It takes a man who has issues to not understand. The kind of issues that actually could be created through constant torturous abuse like the kind you're perpetrating on these two children. This is some of the worst possible abuse. This is what leads to gender dysphoria, 
this type of behavior, this kind of treating it. Boys are bad. Boys are bad. Boys are bad. Well, I don't want to be a boy. Mom says that boys are bad, so I don't want to be a boy. You hear that enough, it can't affect you. You're rewiring these children. It's almost like you want them to become transgender because in your feminist tiny little brain, you don't understand the fact that not every man wants to rape you. Rape culture is something that is used by folks in the progressive movement in certain areas when they're trying to shut men up. Are there situations where rape is more prevalent than others? Well, yeah, there's some college uh, campuses uh, where that seems to be happening far more often than any of us would like to admit. But there are also several places where there are guys where there's no rape happening. Even something as ridiculously progressive-minded uh, and culturally, culturally relevant to where our culture has headed to is Game of Thrones. Because, you know, I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones. I haven't really watched it much in the past, although I think I've decided I'm going to try and get caught up from the beginning and see where it's at. But even in Game of Thrones, it's very clear that only bad people rape people. Rape is a reality in this world, and heaven help us. There should be a, a consequence to those who commit the crime. There should be consequences to any kind of criminal activity. You hear that, Hillary? But rape is among the worst. Rape and murder and female genital mutilation, those things are at the very tip top of the list of worst things you can do to people. And they should have the most severe consequences. But you cannot assume loving, caring mother who just wants to challenge their self-perception. You can't assume that because they're guys, they're going to be part of the rape culture. In fact, it's your job to teach them that rape is bad. And you don't teach them that rape is bad by saying, oh, you're a guy, so you're probably going to do it. You teach them by saying, see this? Don't. This is not acceptable. The same way that parents around the world have taught their children for millennia about every other thing, whether it's uh, right or wrong, cultural taboos, what have you. Period. You just can't do this. You, madam, are the problem. I wouldn't even care if this was making the headlines. If this just, just the fact that you're writing this, if they encountered it, if they see how you think about them just because they're boys – and I guarantee you, if you're writing like this, then it's showing. Then you're messing these kids up. And when they do go rape somebody, if they ever do, and heaven help them, I, I, I'm, I'm already, as soon as I saw the story, I started praying that these two either made strong enough that this doesn't mess them up or that somebody comes to help them, even if it means just getting them away from you. Because this is insane. You don't treat your children like they're rapists unless they actually are. If they are, then by all means, go ahead and do it. But just because there are guys – so that's where our culture wars are standing today. I've got one other story I'd very much like to get to, but before we do that, I'm going to have Kel on the line here momentarily. But uh, before we bring Kel in… I've got to do the Edwards Notebook, so uh, here's the Edwards Notebook, and uh, we'll be right back with Cal. 
As Congress continues to waste time and squander opportunities, President Trump continues to exhibit why it was wise to elect him. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, despite the efforts of backstabber Paul Ryan to stop President Trump, while droop-along Mitch McConnell also doesn't help the president bring forth his worthy agenda, it is a president who has single-handedly reinvigorated the American spirit, although I cannot overlook the mighty prayer warriors whom I believe stayed the hand of judgment that should have befallen our republic after the two-time election of America, God, Constitution, and Bill of Rights hating Barack Hussein Obama. But despite the leftists in the American media, Europe, China, academia, and even in the church world, because President Trump continues to both publicly and privately recognize the God who aided the founding fathers and shed his grace upon our republic, there will be blessings bestowed upon America, including providential wisdom. While it is true President Trump is not perfect, but neither is any human being, when imperfect people seek the guidance of the perfect God of the Bible, good things do happen. Get ready, America, for good days are on the horizon. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Dan Perkins here for Songs and Stories for Soldiers with your veterans tip of the day. Did you know that the suicide rate for women vets is 12 times that of their sisters in civilian life? Did you know that one in four women vets feel uncomfortable about talking to people about their mental health issues? Did you know almost 600,000 women vets in America are suffering from PTSD? It's time to help. It's time for all of us to encourage our sisters, mothers, and wives to get help by contacting their local VA hospital clinic or community-based health care center. So if you know a woman vet that is suffering, go to va.gov and find their nearest VA facility. This has been Dan Perkins of Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us with your veterans tip of the day. Dan Perkins here for Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us with your veteran tip of the day. Have you filed for your veterans' benefits yet? More and more baby boomers who are veterans are thinking about applying for VA benefits based on their service in the military. So here's your veterans' tip of the day. Before you apply for VA benefits, make sure you have a copy of your DD-211 discharge papers. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers veteran tip of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dan Perkins with the Veterans Tip of the Day. Before that, Ron Edwards with the Edwards Notebook. And now joining me live is Miss Kel Fritzy. Yes, the red blogger herself, red fox blogger, that is, and the infidel that your moms warned you about. Thanks, Kel. Welcome to the show. Tim, hi. It's so great to be with you again. I must say I'm honored that uh, you entrust me to be a semi a correspondent on your uh, program, but you know there is so much news uh, coming out globally, but in particular what's been happening in Canada lately is unreal. But before we get into that, you said on the air that you spelled a Canadian wrong. and, and uh... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.
Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. That's because I was being rather cheeky in your chat room, but there is a reason for that. I don't know if people are aware of this, but when... The uh, Canadian arm uh, came out of the uh, the International Space Program many many years ago. They they had the decal and they spelled Canadian wrong. <laughs> they had to well, change the whole thing. Least, at least I have some historical uh, providence so, uh, that I'm just trying to bring there back some nostalgia. That's what I was doing well, the whole okay. time. Oh, I can top you. I I, I can top you. I have a a, a word press script that I use. All I do is that when I'm booking one of the shows, I just copy and paste and put it in. Uh, Tim, for months, I was spelling infidel wrong. (laughs) I was spelling it with an A instead of the E. And this went on for months. And the darn show is called Infidels Are Watching. So, Tim, you know what? I think I'm the one who deserves that raspberry prize. <laughs> well, uh, I think it's uh, safe to say that uh, we're more concerned about content <laughs> than other things. So uh, we're just trying to make Indeed. sure that we get – and if that's what we have to do to get your attention, hey, as long as you listen to the rest, uh, we're good, okay? Uh, I have in the past actually taken uh, – Fake news stories back before fake news was a thing, uh, and uh, reported them like they were true, just to kind of test to see where things were. And uh, one of the great things about that is you do get a chance to see who's paying attention and who actually is really paying attention, as in the, not just you, but everything else. And I'm proud to say that most of the folks that were listening then, Mary, who's still in the chat room, being chief among them. They called me out on it really quick. It's like, you know this story is not real, right? And so you know, that makes me as proud as anything because I know, number one, they're listening to me, but they're also paying attention to other places, and they know. But uh, I've been known to do that. I've tried not to do that uh, in a while. But, you know, again, I think those are great little tricks to try and get people to see who really is paying attention and who isn't. But anyway, let's, let's get to this story. Uh, we have an uh, al-Qaeda operative who just happened to be fortunate enough to be born in Canada. And uh, they utilized uh, that birthright citizenship as an excuse to say that the Canadian government should have gotten him out of Gitmo uh, a lot sooner. And then Justin Trudeau gives his big speech about how they couldn't afford to continue fighting the case and all this blah, blah, blah. And what really upsets me more than anything is now – there is a uh, civil court judge who says that uh, they're going to deny uh, the uh, request from one of the family members who was killed uh, by this guy here in the United That's States. That's right. That's right. To, to they had uh, put an injunction on a Tabitha Spears um, a petition to uh, have that uh, settlement uh, frozen so that she could file her petition in order to uh, collect that uh, money, those monies, because the, an, an American uh, judge had awarded her um, many millions in uh, damages 
it was granted by an American judge, and thus that should have been held into consideration. Uh, Justin Trudeau himself, he took it upon himself, however, to ensure to fast-track the uh, 10.5 million American dollar check to the uh, convicted uh, terrorist uh, Omar Qadar, and that uh, pretty much put a carbosh not only on her petition, Tabitha Spear, but it put a petition on uh, First Class Lieutenant um, <clears throat> Lane Morris, who was also involved in that particular firefight. He's the gentleman who was blinded in that one eye. Uh, Justin Trudeau took it upon his personal self without the benefit of the uh, Supreme Court acknowledgement that maybe we should, you know, look at this petition. This is purely on the shoulders of this, and I find this very difficult, and I say this to my listeners all the time, is that I cannot put Prime Minister and that person's name in the same sentence, but he is the Prime Minister of Canada, and he usurped the best interests not only of the people of Canada, but he usurped the petition of a Tabitha Spear, widow a first-class sergeant, army medic, um, Christopher Spear, and denied his two orphaned children. The re, re, no, I, 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 he, he, he denied Justin Trudeau. He denied reparation rights that were deserved to that family and reparation rights that were deserved to Lane Morris. It is just a disgusting case. But you know what's even worse than that, Tim, is that the government of Canada issued a formal apology, a formal apology to this terrorist, this convicted terrorist, in that the government of Canada apologized in particular for violating his charter of rights. This is what else is really sticking a caw in the throats of all regular Canadians that were petitioning for this not to go through. This was supposed to be an issue that was to perhaps be uh, sent back to the Supreme Court of Canada. Justin Trudeau, he fast-tracked it. He passed a check in the middle of the night, literally. He passed it maybe on a Wednesday at 4 o'clock in the morning, and that check was cashed on that Wednesday at 6 o'clock in the morning. And who knows where that money is now. You know, the one thing that really kind of jumped out at me when the, this judge denied the uh, petition to uh, freeze these assets was it was only a week previously that we were talking about how much authority a court should have because it was a Canadian court that was telling a company that uh, they had to honor uh, their order worldwide. So That's right. if you honestly believe if you honestly believe that your court has that power, then why doesn't other legitimate courts have the same right? And I don't think that any Canadian judge or justice would argue that the uh, American courts are not legitimate courts. You might not agree with the decisions. You might not agree with everything going on. But uh, don't you have to at least honor the same mentality? Of course, this shows, again, the thinking of the left, and I think this really, again, plays to today's main topic, that being – progressivism, 
And it, it either is a mental disorder itself or it certainly encourages mental disorders because there is so much um, so much inconsistency that it would drive you crazy trying to think about it, quite honestly. But uh, let's get into the details initially. Uh, go ahead and lay everything out on who this guy is. Omar was a, a not a nice man. Uh, but go ahead and lay out who he was, what happened, and then let's get to why – uh, he felt he was owed this cash and this formal apology in the first place. In a nutshell, is that uh, Omar Kadar? He was uh, born in Canada. He was born in Scarborough, Ontario, in particular, where many of his uh, family members still reside, including his uh, horrid mother, Maha Elzmana. She's the uh, family matriarch. His uh, his father is dead. He died in a firefight, and. His name was Ahmad Sayed Kedar. He was a family patriarch. He was an al-Qaeda financier. They, Ahmad uh, Kedar had come to Canada in the 1970s as an, a, a visa student, and he met uh, Maha Elzmana. My apologies, folks. They married. Maha is a uh, Canadian, naturalized Canadian citizen. She's from Palestine, which I call, you know, the uh, Palestine state. They settled and they got married in Canada. They were raising a brood. I don't say raising a family. They were raising a brood, and they decided that they did not like the ideology of the West. Now, Omar uh, Qadar is a product of this uh, horrid, uh, toxic family. Ahmad Sayed Qadar and his mother, Maha, they decided that they wanted to go back to the Middle East. Now, the father was born in Egypt. The mother was born in Palestine. They went back to Pakistan, uh, where the uh, father, Ahmad, had gone to from Egypt to Pal uh, uh, Pakistan. They were heavily embedded with al-Qaeda. As a matter of fact, the father, Ahmad Sayed Qadar, he was on a... FBI watch list for being one of the top 25 um, a terrorist organizers and money-raising idealists for al-Qaeda. So they knew who this guy was. Now, he went back to Pakistan with the brood. They didn't have all their brood at this point. I think at that point they only had like a three kids. But he went back to Pakistan. He was caught in a Pakistani firefight, but Pakistani authorities arrested him. The uh, then Prime Minister of Canada, Jean Chrétien, uh, pleaded for his release to have him released back to Canada because he was a naturalized Canadian citizen, as was his wife and his children, keeping in mind that these children were born in Canada, so they weren't naturalized but the parents, but they were actual, quote-unquote, Canadian citizens. So, so on that mercy, the uh, father was uh, released back into the custody of Canada, he was uh, released upon appeal. They carried on their activities. They con continued on into the Middle East. Once again, they ended up in the Middle East, and they ended up in Afghanistan, in which they were aiding and abetting the ambitions of uh, the al-Qaeda uh, movement. And they were also uh, personal friends with uh, bin Laden very personal friends, in fact. 
by then they had a daughter that was of marriageable age, who knows, maybe uh, 15, 16, and uh, uh, Osama bin Laden actually attended her wedding. They resided in the um, uh, bin Laden compound. Omar Qadar, he was sent to al-Qaeda terrorist training camps. He was well-versed in building IEDs. He was heavily embedded. He was not a child soldier. He was not even indoctrinated. He was committed to a political ideology. When he was finally taken out in 19, uh, my apologies, 2002, when he was finally taken out by American and Canadian forces, he was uh, badly wounded. He was the one who threw the grenade that killed First Class Sergeant Christopher Spear and blinded First Class Sergeant Lane Morris. He showed no remorse. As a matter of fact, he said that I am raised to protect the integrity of Islam, and we do not infiltrating, U.S. infiltrating in our countries. Remember, this person was born in Canada, but he was not a Canadian by any stretch of the imagination. He had been raised in an ideology. I'm not using the word brainwashed. That's a different, that's a different scenario altogether. This person was not brainwashed. He was not indoctrinated. He was raised in an ideology which follows the pure form of Islam. He was following the dictates of the Koran. He knew that. He also knew the difference between the ideologies of the West as opposed to the ideologies of Islamic East. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was of coherent thought. He was of conviction. He was engaging in exactly what a Mohammedan would do. Now he is arrested in 2002 at the age of 15 in a firefight in Afghanistan. He is brought back to the United States. He is the youngest serving enemy combatant in Guantanamo Bay. Now he is pleading torture. Now he is pleading that I have been making statements under duress, despite the fact that it is on record that when he heard Christopher Spear died at the hands of his grenade, he said, that makes me very happy. That will give me comfort for the rest of my life that I killed an American. But then the Canadian government got involved. They sent down two envoys, and they questioned him. And they technically violated his charter of rights as a Canadian citizen. They didn't. They were exchanging information with intelligence in the United States and intelligence in Canada. But there were loopholes that were found to technically declare that his charter of rights and freedoms were violated. So Canada petitioned once again under a liberal government to bring him back to Canada. So he was brought back to Canada to serve his term. There he filed a lawsuit claiming that his charter of rights was violated. 
the former conservative government under the helmanship of Stephen Harper said, no, we're not going to address this. We want this to go to the Supreme Court. It was waylaid. It didn't get there. And a lower court judge decided in the end that, yes, his case has to be heard in a lower court, and we are going to settle this. The uh, conservative government said, no, we want it to go to the, to the uh, Supreme Court. Well, what happened? We had another general election. This went on for years, by the way, folks. This went on for years and years and years. This finally reached the desk of the current liberal government, and that being Justin Trudeau. And he decided that he was going to settle this. And he said that we have to settle this. Otherwise, we might face another $40, 50000000 million in court fees. So let's just settle this and get it out of the way and let's move on, people. But the thing is, is that was not good enough for the Canadian people because he also offered the formal apology to this little dirtbag terrorist that c- killed an American soldier and blinded another and caused havoc within Canada and the United States, tied up our courts with this clause within the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. As it stands right now, this person is sitting on $10.5 million American. We don't know where that money was dispersed. It's probably in some sort of account overseas somewhere. We don't know what he's doing with this money, what he will do with this money. But the thing is, is that he is still a resident of Canada, and I don't say Canadian citizen, despite the fact that technically he is. He is nothing more than a resident of Canada. This is the outrage right now. The fact that people do not understand the history of this family. When you look at the father, Ahmed Sayed Kadir, you look at the mother, Maha Elzmana, you look at the siblings, Abdullah Kadir. He was born in Canada as well. He's the eldest brother. He was also involved in uh, terrorist activities under al-Qaeda. You look at the other brother, Abdullah Kadir. He worked as an CIA FBI informant at one point, and he said, yeah, this is what my family is up to, okay? Well, he, he, he's still in Canada as well. And then you have another son who is, um, his name is Abdul Karim Kader. He was also take, he was also involved in a firefight in Pakistan. That's the same firefight, by the way, where his father died. Well, he was crippled because he was paralyzed during that gun battle. Well, guess what? He returns to Toronto in 2004 because he's a Canadian citizen. And so he's here collecting all the rights and benefits of medical care that Canada can provide. But it's even worse. The one daughter, her name is Zainab Kadir. Now, she's the eldest daughter of this family. She's the one who is running around with the full niqab, saying that we hate Canada, we are an Al-Qaeda family. But she's still residing in Canada. She lives in Scarborough, Ontario. 
she is the one that started a hunger strike for one of her brothers. She is a, a horrid individual. We also have um, the younger one, uh, the younger daughter. Her name is uh, Mariam Kidder, who was wholeheartedly involved within the Al-Qaeda movement as well. As far as we know, she has since left and is living quietly in Scarborough, Ontario. But this is it. This is what we're living. This is our legacy right now in Canada, is that we are tolerating the first family of Al-Qaeda in Canada, in Omar Qadar, is the poster child of that. And instead of denigrating him and the government saying, we are not going to acknowledge your petition, we are going to take it to a higher court, we're going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court if we need to, no. Justin Trudeau turns around, quietly cuts a check, and offers a formal apology. Tim, there is a lot of outrage up here. As well there should be. And sadly, there's not quite as much down here because there's still not a lot of folks who have even heard about this case. And it's not that it's not being reported, but it's certainly being underreported, which is part of uh, folks like myself are trying to get this information out there. I mean, thank goodness people finally started talking about Charlie Gard. It, it took weeks for that yeah. to get to uh, the pitch where folks were finally starting to talk about it. But this is still it, – it's so outrageous at so many levels. But let me ask you a few questions. I, I know down here in the States we have birthright uh, citizenship, which is absolutely insane. Our Constitution specifically lays out what it takes to be a citizen here. And in order to uh, achieve birthright citizenship via the Constitution, uh, your parents have to be completely under the jurisdiction of the U.S. government, which means you cannot be a foreign dignitary visiting. You can't be a tourist stopping in. You can't be here illegally. All of that was laid out in the Constitution. But several years back, a bunch of uh, left-leaning attorneys got together, and they passed the law that said, okay, well, now it's just good enough to just be born here. And I'm not sure what the thinking was at the time, except for the fact that obviously these folks uh, were part of the uh, Cloward and Piven uh, folks, and they were just trying to overwhelm our system. Uh, What is the rules for citizenship in Canada? Because, again, I know a lot of folks don't understand citizenship doesn't work the same everywhere. So, uh, So how does that work in Canada? If you have one foot on the tarmac, you're pregnant, and you give birth on that tarmac, your kid is an automatic Canadian citizen, all the rights and privileges that Canada allows. That's it. So it's just about the same as it is down here in the States then. Is is there a mechanism uh, that the Canadian government holds as far as stripping uh, citizenship from, uh, from people? You know, that is, I'm glad you brought that up because, yes, indeed, and uh, getting back to uh, then Prime Minister uh, Stephen Harper, who, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm just going to uh, deviate on a sidebar for a minute because I don't want uh, um, our American brothers and sisters to not know this, is that then Conservative Prime Minister uh, Stephen Harper last week, he talked with Lane Morris in particular, they had a conversation, and Stephen Harper, he apologized personally on behalf of right-thinking Canadians. 
Now, this is the kind of prime minister we had. Stephen Harper was a true leader of this country, and he just saw the outrage. Stephen Harper, he retired, and he's kept his counsel on the activities of the now usurper in the PMO. But he had an obligation, a moral obligation, to speak out to uh, uh, people in the United States and say that, I know my Canadian people, and we abhor this. I apologize. And I listened to Lane Morris on a radio program yesterday, in fact. He was on the um, Roy Green Show, which is a syndicated syndicated program out of Canada. And Lane Morris was a guest. And Lane Morris said that, yes, I got a call from the former Prime Minister of Canada, Stephen Harper. How did that go? And Lane said that he was frustrated and he was upset. I thought that was just probably one of the most wonderful things that we uh, uh, could have heard. And now, Tim, I forgot your question. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm terrible. That's all right. Uh, the question was, is there a uh, a legal apparatus in place to strip yes. people? Oh, you know what? Uh, thank you. That is a great question. Because, yes, there was underneath uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Do you remember there was an incident here in Canada um, uh, a few years back? in that there was a terrorist cell that was broken up. They were the Toronto 19, or Toronto 18, my apologies, Toronto 18. And what they wanted to do is a storm, uh, Toronto's uh, business district, that would be a Bay Street area, they wanted to storm Parliament Hill. They wanted to kidnap senior members of Parliament, including the Prime Minister of Canada at the time, Stephen Harper, and publicly behead them. Well, that terrorist cell becoming very, very successful, very successful. And but fortunately, they were finally um, uh, captured and broken up by an informant. Now, when they were arrested, when they were arrested, the Toronto 18, they were convicted. Now, one of them had a dual a citizenship. And I'm trying to bring up his name if I can think of what his name is. I'm sure it's floating around in my mind somewhere. But all the same, I do believe it was. I have so many names here, but one in particular, his name was uh, Zachariah Amara. Now, Zachariah Amara, he had dual citizenship. And he was, I believe, he was a Canadian national that had come here from the Middle East somewhere. Like I say, I'm just speaking off the top of my head, so I apologize. But all the same, that really isn't the point. The point is is that this person had dual citizenship. And in 2006, when this uh, plot was broken up, Stephen Harper took it um, upon himself to uh, introduce a bill to declare Anybody who is convicted in Canada of sedition, treason, or any other national harm or international harm founded within Canada, if they have dual citizenship, 
they will be stripped of their Canadian citizenship, right? And that bill in Parliament was approved. Well, Justin Trudeau, he overturned that with, I believe it was a Bill 106. And, you know, that's the thing, though. This is what is so upsetting with us, is that uh, Justin, Justin Trudeau is overturning so many good policies that Stephen Harper put into place. What in, in this particular case? Oh, yeah, what he did is just terrible. He um, introduced uh, Bill C-6. And that's the bill I was thinking of. He, he's also inter, he, he's also entertaining motion 103, and, and uh, he introduced Bill 46. So I'm trying to get all my bills straight because this guy is on steroids. But yeah, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau overturned the bill that would strip uh, citizens, uh, dual citizenships, uh, <laughs> dual citizens, uh, their citizenship if they are convicted of engaging in sedition and terrorism in particular. Uh, Justin Trudeau turned that over a couple of months back in introducing Bill C-6. And that means the likes of uh, Zachary Amara, who was commit, he was convicted of plotting a terror attack in Toronto. He's going to have his citizenship reinstated upon his release from prison. Well, is it just me, or does it just seem like Justin Trudeau uh, is more concerned about protecting uh, jihadists than he is about protecting the citizens of Canada. We are really uh, concerned about uh, this particular individual. Uh, people are aware that he is the son of uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who was our prime minister from the late 1970s into the 1980s. Uh, Justin Trudeau, in fact, is the one that gave us official multiculturalism. I always say that Canada has the dubious distinction of having that huh, mm, dishonor. Uh, Justin Trudeau, he is an admirer of socialism. He is an admirer of globalism. Uh, this is what uh, Justin Trudeau is like. We have departments within our governments, right? You, you have, the, you know, Department of Justice, Department of uh, National Security, all of that. In Canada, we had the um, Department of uh, Foreign Affairs. Justin Trudeau, he decided to change that and turn it into the Department of Global Affairs. This man is a globalist, and he is very much an Islamic sympathizer. He has been videotaped numerous times citing the, uh, well, not citing, because citing is, you know, your own words. He has been uh, videotaped numerous times reciting the Quranic uh, Shahada, which is an admitting that Allah is the only God. And he, that is him denouncing the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, for example. This uh, person, he is uh, running around all of these events, the man has never met a mosque he's never liked. He is constantly visiting mosques. If there is vandalism on a mosque, 
he is uh, right out there in front of it, getting his uh, shiny pony photo op. He is very much more dangerous, I think, in his ideology than even Barack Hussein um, Obama was, to tell you the truth. Yeah, we Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. We see him as a true uh, danger because of his globalist ideologies, but in particular with his uh, sympathy towards Islam and his uh, fast-tracking immigrants into this country. And when I say immigrant, I don't mean the true immigrant that we welcome in this country, immigrants from all over the world, from all walks of life. He is fast-tracking Islamic immigrants, and he is bringing in more and more migrants per capita than any other Western country in the world at this point. He is not protecting the 49th parallel. He is allowing uh, migrants to swim into uh, areas like um, the province of Quebec and the province of Manitoba. He is personally greeting a lot of these migrants coming in, so-called refugees, right? And he is violating the Citizenship Act in that if you are new to the country, you have to wait uh, two years to at least consider applying for naturalized status. Well, he has changed that. It's pretty much that as soon as you're off the plane, you're a naturalized Canadian, which means you can apply for full citizenship within those uh, within two years as opposed to four years it would take. This is uh, Justin Trudeau, and this is his uh, New World Order. He is fifth column. And what this means is that not only will this set up those grateful migrants that Justin Trudeau benevolently, benevolently took in, but they'll vote for him in the next general election in 2019. This person is a friend of the uh, United Nations. He is a friend of the movement of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation within the United Nations. As a matter of fact, he is sending in and is an envoy to attend the next OIC meeting uh, very soon. He is technically a Roman Catholic, but we think that he has actually left the faith. We, we do believe at this point in all of his actions that he is indeed um, a Muslim. Well, I mean, there's certainly plenty of reasons to think that based on his actions. Uh, okay. What I still don't understand, though, is what justification did he use to uh, try and reverse uh, this legislation, uh, the bill that was passed, where you could revoke citizenship for a dual citizenship if you were convicted of uh, 
treason or sedition because if you're convicted then obviously because it's not it's not as easy to convict somebody of treason as it would be to convict somebody of uh speeding or i mean there is a right. high standard for this conviction so chances are if the state is capable of proving their case against you, you're probably guilty. That's still not to say that there might not be an occasion where you could be getting railroaded or a crazy series of circumstantial events where somebody else was kind of using you and you didn't know it and you were just hanging with the wrong crowd. All that stuff is always still a possibility. But there's probably a pretty good chance you're guilty of it. What was his rationale? Then he was able to get politicians to go along with that it's a good idea to reverse that because obviously if you get convicted, you're a threat to either Canada or your neighbors. So what was the rationale? His rationale was that a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. And behind that is that he felt that once you were granted Canadian citizenship, it should be yours to hold. He introduced one of his minions, I should say, introduced a, a bill, C-106, and it, it passed lower parliament uh, reading, uh, three readings, because he has a liberal majority government. Now we have, a, we have an upper house. We have the Senate. And when it was sent to the Senate, they approved of this motion to be turned into a bill. And then it went to the Governor General, and uh, that would be uh, Dave Johnston. He approved the bill, and it came back to the floor, and it passed the reading, and it became a bill that would override Stephen Harper's bill about stripping of Canadian citizenship. It's, it's the politics. Uh, uh, Justin Trudeau has the power right now. He has the majority government, and he has the ear of the Senate, which is very much full of liberalism. It is shocking, though, that the Governor General, he would actually ultimately approve this. But the thing is, is that unless there are extreme circumstances within our lower house, the Governor General pretty much uh, stays out of business. He is a representative of the Queen, our Queen of Canada. And that, of course, everybody knows is Queen Elizabeth out of England, but she is still our Queen of Canada. Now, his uh, post is a pretty much a ceremonial post. I'm sure that he cringes when he sees this uh, going on, and I think this is why he is actually recusing his post in three months. I think that um, uh, David Johnston is sick of what he is seeing. Well, I, I certainly can't blame him on that one. I would probably want to get out of that uh, line of fire, too, if I could. It, uh, actually, no, I'd take that back. If I had the opportunity to do something about that, I would. <laughs> I would be standing up, and I'd be screaming at these people because this is suicidal. And this brings us back to the question that the, that the title of today's show asked, and, and that is, is progressivism a mental disorder, or do progressives just encourage mental disorders? Because there seems to be some of both going on, because this is literally suicidal. I, I'm sure the Canadian people are probably ready to change a lot of faces in Parliament and hopefully even uh, 
uh, at the prime minister's office as well. Uh, is that the general feeling you get? Is there a, a groundswell of people ready to swing back towards oh, conservatism? Yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. We we have a very strong uh, new leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, and that is Andrew uh, uh, Scheer. He was picked pretty much by the Canadian people. Well, um, our leaders are always uh, picked by the you know the, the people, but he was picked in particular because of his stance on nationalism and ensuring the immigration processes. And he is really uh, taken to the ground running. And he has said that as part of his platform, he is going to reverse all of these uh, newly minted bills, and he is going to have a full investigation into this uh, payout with uh, Omar Qadar in particular. This is why we Canadians asked him, please represent the Conservative Party of Canada, because Stephen Harper, he's retired now, unfortunately. Uh, Stephen Harper, one of the kindest men I've ever met, had the pleasure to meet in a high office. Uh, Canadians are very much upset. And what we are trying to do right now is we're having uh, town hall meetings right across the country with our uh, liberal representatives, uh, my my liberal representative, his name is uh, Lloyd Longfield, and we're trying to force him to have a town hall meeting to address the Omar Qadar issue in particular because we deserve answers. But we are also pressuring the uh, liberal backbenchers to cross the floor to join the conservatives and form a newly minted majority government in which we could approach the governor general and as the government, um, uh, well, we, we can't ask it. The uh, prime minister only can do this. I should uh, clarify that. But what we are trying to do is to kindly persuade our local representatives under the liberal flank to please cross the floor, help the conservatives form a majority, engage in a vote of non-confidence that will force Justin Trudeau to approach the Governor General and say that I can no longer govern the country because of non-confidence in which we would go back to the general polls and we would have another um, election. And believe me, if we are successful in this endeavor, Justin Trudeau will be gone before 2019, which is technically the next scheduled general election. Well, that certainly would be good news for uh, Canada and for America both. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've i said it a few times, and it, it seems hard to imagine for most Americans, but Justin Trudeau is – he is at least ten times worse than Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama yeah. ever was. And it's he's so open about it, even when this pendulum is swinging back the other way, and most People who live in a free Western civilization-style society, they still want common sense. And this reaches that realm, that this, this reversing uh, these laws that were meant to protect the people. Uh, I mean, I, I understand. I, I feel myself kind of iffy about any time you create 
multiple opportunities to remove citizenship from people because I can see that being weaponized uh, fairly easily. So it has to be written carefully and it has to be done properly and there has to be high standards. But uh-huh. when you show that you have to be convicted of treason before this is even going to kick in, I mean, this isn't even just being picked up as an enemy combatant, which was a bill that was kicked around down here in the States for a little bit that had a lot of support. But, you know, again, that kind of thing, it makes me a little nervous. But at the same time, we do need to take some common sense uh, directions towards providing safety and security. Otherwise, we will be overwhelmed by the enemy. And the enemy isn't all Muslims. The enemy is the Muslims that want to have strict adherence to the tenets of Islam. They want to kill us or force us to submit. We're either going to convert or die, or uh, the option I like a little bit better, we're going to have to kill them. Because there isn't any living peace. You know, this is what it's coming down to. Yeah, exactly. The United States is in such um, a far better position, and Barack Hussein Obama, he recognized that, is that he was governing over a republic. In Canada, we don't have a republic. We have a democracy, and that is vastly uh, different. Uh, like a lot of people say, oh, that's mob rule. Well, unfortunately, majority rule. It's majority rule. But unfortunately, the majority rule is falling on the more powerful progressives as opposed to those who are grassroots and wanting to protect the integrity of Canada. Uh, Justin Trudeau is feeding off of that. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama didn't have as much of an opportunity as what Justin Trudeau is having right now. I don't know if uh, Barack Hussein Obama was a national leader in Canada. Who knows, maybe he would have been much worse than Justin Trudeau. But because of our different uh, governing bodies and our uh, uh, different systems, that uh, Justin Trudeau has much more uh, freehold than Barack Hussein Obama would ever have been granted. But there is no way that Obama would have gotten away with any of these policies the way that Justin Trudeau is in Canada, that's for sure, because just uh, Justin Trudeau is virtually beholden to no one, and I mean no one. He has the Senate in his pocket, and the Governor General is a more or less a symbolic a fixture. The Queen, when she signed the 1982 uh, Declaration uh, of uh, sovereignty. Well, it wasn't sovereignty per se, but what she did is that uh, we amended our uh, uh, Canadian uh, Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and in that was part of her not wanting to be seen as a overseer of Canadian business. And this is unfortunately what we're seeing right now, and that's why the Governor General is nothing more than a huge old figurehead just like Queen Elizabeth is, but that's another topic for another day. You guys were smart. You kicked the British out. (laughs) But the thing is, is that, okay, don't get me wrong. I do love my queen. I am beholden to my queen. I love Queen Elizabeth, and I will always be her sovereign. But what I mean is, in terms of politics, you folks got really smart in the United States. It's like you became a whole independent Uh, This is why you have the Declaration of Independence. Canada doesn't have that. In in fact, we went backwards with the revision of our 
our Constitution. We introduced the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedom, and that is really, I think, what started to set us right back, and that's courtesy of Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. Well, the uh, Trudeau family definitely seems to have a focus in mind. All right, I've got a little bit over eight minutes left. i got one more story I want to hit on, uh, so I'm going oh, to roll in. absolutely. But before I want to we, thank uh, you. Uh-huh. Well, I'm just thanking you uh, because you've been uh, very informative. You've uh, been uh, a correspondent uh, extraordinaire, and I appreciate your time and uh, and uh, everything that you do. Oh, Tim, it is always, like I say, an honor and a pleasure to speak with you, you in particular. I must say that you really knock it out of the park every time you come on the airwaves, and boy, oh, boy. It's being paid attention to. All right. Well, I appreciate that. But real quick, tell everybody where they can. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Find you at? Primarily, <laughs> I am RFB Radio. Uh, please uh, check me out uh, Mondays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. I cover a lot of issues pertaining to Islam. I have Joshua Fahrenheit 211 who joins me quite often. He is uh, out of the United Kingdom, and we are indeed international. We share news from the United States, Canada, Australia. Globally, believe me, the United Kingdom is, I know, a vast interest right now, and Europe in general. I am also part of the Global Patriot Radio family. I am IAW, Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, where I interview people from all over the globe. I am the interviewer. Not as good as Tim, but I try. Tim, thanks. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, definitely uh, want to thank you again for your time and uh, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, put you on mute for the time being and uh, after I do this if there's, any t- if there's any time left might even give you a chance to comment on this that will open it back up but this is related uh, in a lot of ways to what we were discussing as far as trying to keep uh, people safe uh, by now just about everybody has heard about the Supreme Court ruling regarding Donald Trump's travel restriction uh, executive order. That travel restriction, everybody wants to call it a travel ban, in case you don't recognize my language. I refuse to call it a ban because a ban has to last more than 90 days. And there is still effort right now going on by Democrats to try and uh, cause some legal uh, issues to try and stop it. But at this point, in the time it would take to pass a law… This thing's going to have already expired. 
It was designed in the first place with the express purpose of trying to bide a little time to improve our vetting process for refugees from predominantly Muslim countries, particularly the Syrian uh, refugee issue. We had Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama, the former occupier of the White House, who was trying his darndest to get as many of these folks in here as possible without accurately checking to see who these people are. That cannot be allowed to happen. It's not safe. It's not smart. And it's not being discriminatory if you want to take the time to actually protect your citizens. That is one of the primary functions of a government, period. That's why we form governments, and that's why our framers – our founders spent so much time hammering out the details of creating our particular government the way that we did it because we wanted the people to remain in charge for as long as possible. They knew that there would be a day where the fight would have to be uh, had again. But uh, at any rate, back to the topic, there was this particular judge in Hawaii who decided, much uh, to the chagrin of the administration, that this could not be allowed to go in place. It was too dangerous. It would cause too much hardship for the state of Hawaii. A judge that had a meeting with Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama shortly before his decision. A judge that decided that It didn't matter what was written in front of him. It didn't matter what was in the executive order. It didn't matter that the Constitution specifically says that this executive order has the power of law if Congress has duly given this authority to the president, which in this particular issue it has. Now, he decided that it was perfectly okay to take campaign rhetoric into account to try and figure out what's in the heart of Donald Trump when he wrote this as opposed to what's actually in it. Well, guess what? And another setback for Donald Trump, a federal judge in Hawaii further weakened the already ridiculously diluted travel restriction executive order by expanding the list of U.S. family relationships that visitors from six Muslim-majority countries can use to get into the country. The ruling that uh, came about this past Thursday was the latest volley in a fierce fight over the travel restriction executive order, which uh, first tried to put in place back in January. It will culminate, uh, culminate with arguments before the U.S. Supreme Court in October. The rules are not so much an outright ban as a tightening of tough visa policies affecting citizens from Syria, Sudan, Somalia, Libya, Iran, and Yemen. Anybody got a problem with uh, looking at people from these countries a little closer before letting them across your border? I mean, anybody other than uber progressives that are part of some kind of crazy suicide pact? Now, only narrow categories of people, including those with relatives' names in the ruling, will be considered for new visas. And the U.S. District Judge Jarek Watson, who first made headlines by being the judge that tried to uh, block the travel restrictions from going in order that the government uh, cannot enforce the ban on 
grandparents, grandchildren, brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, and cousins of people in the U.S. He claimed that these people constitute close relatives, same as how the restriction has already been worded. I failed to understand how widening the save lives here in the country, and this is put in place to save lives. That is its purpose. But here's the other thing. I posted in a, a link to this article through social media, and of all places, at TeaPartyCommunity.com, I had an individual – I guess he was trolling at the moment, but whatever. He made the comment because I asked why would this guy who already has been told by the Supreme Court that the, that the president has the authority to pass this legislation – why would he now think that he has the authority to try to rewrite it from the bench? And in this comment that was responded to my link, the individual said, well, maybe if you would read the Constitution, you might learn that the president that the president has to abide by the Constitution. Now, I responded quite clearly and quite frankly. It's like this isn't about absolute power. This is about a clearly defined power, in quotation marks, that is that has been duly granted to the office of the president by the Congress in accordance with the Constitution as laid out. And this is a practice that has been done by multiple presidents previous to Donald Trump, and the lawyers arguing against the executive order in the first place literally said that, yes, this would be completely constitutional if any other president had wrote it. So obviously, you're over the top. The judicial system, the Democrats, and the mainstream media are not ready yet to embrace the fact that progressivism is a mental disorder, and it must be dealt with because they don't even see the problems. They don't even see the issues. They don't understand. They don't see for themselves, and they think we're the crazy ones. Well, that's going to have to be it for today. I want to thank Kel again for coming on to the show. I also want to thank Mary uh, for being in the chat room with us earlier. And, guys, thank you very much. Remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody, and I'll see you Wednesday night. This is Cashy.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.